The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Good morning. Good morning and welcome back. You can go ahead and exchange those phone numbers for a follow-up conversation later. Okay, well, as you guys are sitting down, uh, I want to uh, draw your attention to uh, the artwork that you see uh, hung around this, uh, this front area of the room. Some of you were able to come on Friday and, and walk to stations. They're going to be open, or the, we will be open, but these will be hung till, till right after uh, Easter and encourage you to do that. There are verses that accompany them and a prayer, and it starts over here, and you can kind of work your way around. Stations of the Cross, uh, many ways to do it. If you go to, uh, like I do every year, I go to Our Lady Star of the Sea, and it's kind of a stand-up, sit-down, a very led event. Uh, Here, you can just kind of walk through it yourself, and um, a way to, to engage with the specifically that, that night of passion where Jesus, starting in the garden, ended up on a cross. And so uh, you will recognize the names of the artists beneath uh, all of them come to the Refuge Church. And so I invite you to uh, also thank them for doing this incredible work in such a short turnaround. <laughs> I've had the conversation with many saying, uh, I... I'm so sorry for asking you so late because art takes time, energy, thought. And so it was, I mean, there was like a week and a half turnaround. So uh, very, very amazing. I'm going to start uh, with our prayer of confession. It is actually taken from the prayer that is at the, the base of uh, women, uh, the women speaking with Jesus there. Uh, there's the Erica Applewhite pieces. Uh, so we join me in this prayer of confession. Jesus, forgive my unwillingness to repent, to confess all that I am before you. Help me to go beyond the repentance mouthed in words, to sweep away all the facades of who I try so hard to be before others and recall who I really am inside. Help me once again to stand before God with a bare and open heart, Help me not just to repent in words, but to put that repentance into action in everything I am and everything I do. Jesus, give me the gift of tears to weep over my failures, for my sin, for the pain I bring to others, and to see the fruits of repentance in my life. I'll give you a couple minutes to, or a short period of time to offer your own prayer of confession before we enter the word of God together.
God, you always see to the heart of the matter. There is no tricking you or fooling you. No matter what we say or show to others, God, you see, you see right down to our hearts. When we doubt, when we love, when we're uncertain, when we fear, God, there's no use trying to hide from you. And so I pray in this time we'll just be honest with our hearts. The, the words of your word, the Bible, will we'll just be open to it, God, today. And it will move us, change us. God, we will believe and respond. Just as we see Jesus believing and responding with your words when he is tempted. God, we want to do the same. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's our sermon intro. How far will you follow Jesus? If you want to follow Jesus, you must be ready for the wilderness. The wilderness is a place of preparation. It's the place you face your greatest temptation. It can be a lonely, scary place, but it's not a place without God because God promises to never leave us or forsake us. God is there. God is here, but we must choose his way, the way of a greater affection, when we are presented with the temptation of all the other options. In this series, we watch Jesus face his great temptation and choose to obey the Father every time. Let's learn from his victory and find victory in our lives today. Uh, this is the last of the verses uh, that we are looking at in the, the little uh, story of Jesus fasting, Jesus being in the wilderness, Jesus being tempted by the devil, and now uh, the finish, the wrap-up. We get the beginning, the middle, and the end in this very short story here. Um, as I was thinking through uh, kind of this breakthrough moment, right, this light at the end of the tunnel that Jesus is kind of reaching the end, I thought how different... Things appear when you're in the midst of temptation or you're in the middle of darkness and then when you are reaching the end, you're seeing the culmination of it, you're, you're about ready to break through, how different your scenario seems. Um, what came to mind was I did this 19-mile uh, hike in Glacier National Park and uh, we were vastly unprepared. We ate, literally three of us, a pound of bacon before we entered bear country. And um, it, it just, you know, it was, we were college students, not smart. And, you know, as we entered the trailhead, and it was like, <laughs> warning, grizzlies. And we were like, maybe we should have been vegetarians this morning. And so we, we were, it was start with headlamp, and we, we got onto the trail, and, <laughs> you know, and it was beautiful. It was fall. It was this lovely time, right, as bears are preparing for hibernation. And, and the trees were turning. And you can't make this stuff up. It was, it was just not wise. And, and so we started with headlamps, and we were, we were getting in, and it is, it's dark. And we smell like grease. And, and so as we were going through these twists and turns, I remember vividly us looking. And we finally got to kind of this ridge, and you could look over, and... It, and what appeared before our eyes in the, you know, the, the haze of the morning was a bear. Or so we thought, right? It turned out to be a rock, but... 
in the dark, it looked like, a, you know, and all our minds are just coming up with the size of the teeth. You know, the, you just you start conjuring images. Uh, in the darkness, what turns out in the light just to be a very large boulder. And, uh, and that was not the end of the adventure. Actually, there was a blizzard halfway through, and we could not find the trail, and we are alive today. But it was just... Um, if, yeah, you want to know what not to do hiking, talk to me. Um, but it is so different in the middle of the darkness, you know, the bare warning signs of our lives, how things appear, how it seems like that will never end, how this is the end of my life. That is where we find ourselves when we are in the midst of trials and temptations. And that story's funny. There are less funny stories in our life, when we're in the middle of a temptation that it just doesn't seem like we can break through. Daily we're facing that, a fear, an anxiety, um, possibly an addiction. Somebody said something, we don't know how we're going to deal with a neighbor. That's a real story in my life right now. You know, we, <laughs> we, have, we have these, you know, it could be your kids, man, it, like, I just can't get my child to eat, or I just can't communicate with them anymore. These things that just Will there be an end? I'm in the middle of the story. What will we do? Well, I promise you, no matter what you're facing today, it will not be the full story. And it's a lot easier to say that when you've reached the end of a story, and that is where we are. And so the big question today is, will my temptation ever end and, and the, the simple truth I want you to get is that temptation is never the full story. Temptation is never the full story. God's glorious plan is the full story. It's the whole story. Temptation is not the full story. So let me read for you um, Luke 4, 13 to 15, and then we'll dive into the scripture today. This is how it reads. <clears throat> when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Now this is kind of moving through the end of the temptation into where Jesus goes from here, and I thought very appropriate as we look through through the temptation, right, through Jesus finishing it to where he goes from there and the power and boldness he has from there. So there's four things I want us to see today. Uh, and the first, which we already mentioned, the first thing is very simply, there is a beginning and there is an end to temptation. There's a beginning and there is an end to temptation. There is this part right at the beginning, a short sentence that it is that gives us so much reprieve and relief where it says the devil had finished all his tempting. <laughs> you hear that? Like, the devil's finished his tempting, and you're like, Whew. You know, you're like, that's over. Not, it won't come again. There's going to maybe be an opportune time in the future, but as of now, there is reprieve. It is different from the, it is finished that Jesus gives on the cross, but still there is rest here. It is giving us two bookends where Jesus begins his time in the wilderness and he ends it when the devil leaves him and that temptation is over. A book that is 
Uh, I recommend to everybody, really helpful, Steve, uh, Stephen Covey's book, Habits for Highly Effective People. One of those highly effective habits is begin with the end in mind. And that is biblical when you think about temptation. <laughs> when you are being tempted, you are meant to think through the temptation to what life will look like when that temptation over. Because the devil is finite, his energy is finite, his power is finite. He's not able to keep going like God's able to keep going. Right? So there, there's a point where he will break, a point where he will stop, because he does not have infinite energy. Right? And this is the point of break for him, where, where Jesus, as we're going to look at later, he's resisted him, and the devil can't handle the resisting anymore, so he just gives up for a while. And that's what we find here. Begin with the end of mind. There is a time with the temptation, there will be reprieve and rest from it. And we get this from the very beginning of, of the Bible, many stories, but the one that just jumped out to me was the, the promise of the promised land. It's this incredible promise that as the children of Israel are invited out of Egypt, God is promising a land of milk and honey, right? a place that will be their own, a place that will be their home. And yet the children of Israel, as they are tempted in the wilderness, they consistently look back. They consistently look down. They consistently look in. When what God's put before them is up. There is, there's literally an angel, a cloud by day, and a fire by night that is leading them. But instead of looking up, right? Instead of looking forward to the promised land, they keep looking back. If they look through, if they began with the end in mind and just kept walking, how much more pleasurable would their journey have been if they trusted in the promises of God? Uh, Hebrews 12, Jesus, it says, for the joy set before him endured the cross. That means what? That the cross was horrific. That there was no joy to be found in the cross, but beyond the cross. When, when Jesus went through his trial in the garden, it was horrible, Right? When Jesus was getting beaten, it was horrible. So where was the joy? It was in the, the joy set before him. That when that was over, when the last it is finished was said, joy. Right? How amazing is that? So this is, can you imagine yourself, whatever you're facing, whatever present temptation or trial you have, can you look beyond it? That's really what I'm asking you to do today is see that there was a beginning to it and there can be an end to it also. And that one might not be the final end. Maybe Satan will regroup and you know, kind of come at you again. But what does it look like to look beyond that? There is this beautiful, I just kind of bring it closer from you know, Israel to Jesus. I, I, I was thinking about the, the spirituals that the slaves would sing, Right? As they looked forward, they were like, man, this, they were, it was really clear, this is not my home, right? The abuse they were getting was horrible, and so what would they do? They would sing songs like, swing low, sweet chariots, come forth, carry me home, right? Swing low, because this is beautiful, man, I just can't wait till I get to go home. I looked over Jordan, and what I see, come forth, carry me home, a band of angels, and they would sing these songs because their hope wasn't here. Their hope was in what would come. And ultimately, they didn't know if here would ever be better. 
If you get there before I do, come in for it to carry me home. Tell all my friends I'm coming to, coming to carry me home. There are times when we need to just look to that end in sight. We get this in Hebrews 11. People who looked forward to a city whose foundations, uh, with foundations whose architect and builder was God. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they were thinking of the country they had left, they would have opportunity to return. Instead, they were looking for a better country, a heavenly one. And this is what it means to see the beginning and end, to look beyond our temptation. For those who put their faith in Jesus, there is a country waiting. And the ministry of Jesus is so beautiful. Jesus experienced so much hardship, so much death here, but for the joy set before him. And in you, my experience, tremendous hardship and trial here, but there is a country. There, there is foundation of that city, architect and builder is God. That's the first thing we see, see here when it just simply says, the devil finished his tempting. <laughs> you see this beautiful reprieve rest. And the second thing I want you to see is that there are more and less opportune times for temptation. <laughs> there are more and less opportune. Not every time is propitious for temptation. It's very interesting here because what you see is that Satan leaves him, not for good, but he's looking for another opportunity, it says. And the opportunity when Satan comes to Jesus is the same time he comes to us, which is times of vulnerability and times of weakness. Jesus was fasting, Jesus was weak, Jesus was in the wilderness, and so Satan comes to tempt him. Likewise, you have Jesus being rejected, Jesus being beaten, Satan shows up again, right? It's like, this is a good time when people are weak and they are vulnerable. Now, let me just walk you through a possible timeline in your own life. It was a hard day at work. On top of that, it was an extremely busy week. On top of that, it was an extremely hard year. On top of that, somebody said something to you. And it was very unkind. Then you're home with your family and everybody's making noise. And one of your kids looked at you the wrong way. On top of that, you don't feel appreciated for all the hard work that you did during the day when you came home. And you feel guilty also because you really didn't spend enough time with your family anyway, so maybe they should be upset at you. And then you realize that you skipped lunch. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's it, right? That is an opportune time. <laughs> like that, that's the time for cut sweeping in for the kill. Because if anything, it's the launch that did it, right? But, <laughs> but, but what that equaled was it was a really bad year, you know? Like in, in, a, in a moment, we are weak and we are vulnerable. And what does Jesus say when we are tired, weak, and vulnerable? He said it to the disciples in the garden. He said this, watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. Watch and pray. In the garden, the disciples were tired. They had grown accustomed to Jesus. They really didn't think anything would happen, and they didn't take his word seriously, and so they slept. Jesus, on the other hand, was watching and he was praying and he was prepared. And you see vastly different responses when the soldiers show up. In Jesus, you see serenity. In the disciples, you see fear. 
When that time of temptation, when the time of trial came, one was ready and one was not. See, because the devil can see the opportunity, but he cannot see the heart. This is so important. He can see the opportunity, but he doesn't know what's going on in your heart. So the devil could show up and tempt Jesus. He could, he could keep throwing before him things, make this stone into bread, you know, I'll make everything worship you. You know, all these things that he could lay out before him, but he didn't see that Jesus' heart, that was, this was the first sermon I preached, it was so full of God, it had no room for the devil, right? Like that, that's what was happening here. Jesus' heart was so full. It didn't make it easier, but Satan's miscalculation was he didn't know what was going on in Jesus' heart. All he could do was attack. He he couldn't govern what was happening in Jesus' heart and mind, though. What we saw happening in the disciples' heart and mind led to them fear running away. And I think such a cool, powerful example of this right now is Putin's vast miscalculation of the Ukrainian people, right? Amen? Right? Like, it's, it's amazing. He came in and he had no idea what was going on in their hearts. He knew he had more power, more takes, more nuclear weapons. <laughs> the Ukrainian people have been amazing. Wow. Like, he miscalculated their ability to, like, have grandmas throw Molotov cocktails, right? <laughs> that, and so it has stalled the, the encroachment of the Russian people. Wow. You can see weakness, but you can't see what's happening in the heart. There's a miscalculation. Make sure the devil miscalculates your life. He might see what's happening around you, but he cannot see what's happening within you. Because an opportune time will come when the day has been hard, the week has been hard, and the year has been hard, and someone doesn't appreciate you. But what is happening in your heart so full of God that there's no room for the devil is what the devil does not know. The third thing is this, that we see the devil resisted and we see him fleeing. We see him not winning, so he regroups. Uh, We've talked about this many times this year already. James 4, 7, preached on earlier, place yourselves under God's authority, resist the devil, and says, and he will run from you. And that's, that's what we see here. We see simply Jesus putting up resistance. The devil who's finite, doesn't have infinite power, doesn't have infinite energy, stalls, right? His, his, his uh, attack stalls ultimately. And, and I, what I asked myself with this was, how do we resist the devil in this way? How do we, if there's hardship coming and we just, man, we wonder, how do we prepare for this? And we prepare in the same way Jesus did. You have the word of God just like Jesus had the word of God. And so let me show you how this can, I just thought of ways we could be tempted and then I just was like, man, what does the word of God say to this? The first one I thought was um, the temptation to think God doesn't really care about you. Well, Romans 8, 31, 32 says, well then, shall we say, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So if you're like, God doesn't really care about me, you're like, well, he gave Jesus. And if he's not going to withhold Jesus from me, how will he not also give me all things? Now, what if we're tempted to think, man, I'm just trapped here. 
I'm just trapped in this situation. I'm trapped in the circumstances. I see no way out. Well, John 8, 34 and 36, Jesus says, I guarantee this truth. Whoever lives a sinful life is a slave to sin. And the slave doesn't have a home, but the son has a home forever. So if the son has set you free, you are absolutely free. If you feel trapped, what does the word of God say? Man, if the son has set you free, you are not trapped. You're lying to yourself. Because who the son sets free is free indeed. If, if the temptation comes, I'm worthless. I just, don't, I just don't have any words. Well, Psalm 8. When I consider the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars you've set in place, what is man that you're, what, what am I? What are we that you're mindful of so you even care? He says this. You did make them a little lower than angels, but you crowned them with glory and honor and you made them rulers of the works of your hand and put everything under their feet. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Man, if I feel worthless, I'm gonna say, man, well, look at who I am. Look at who we are. Humans are crazy amazing. Right? Not just we're at the top of the food chain, but because we have souls and we can, we can reach out and speak to God and he can communicate with us. That's amazing. That is of infinite worth. And so much so that God did not spare his son, but gave him for us. Wow. What about the temptation to give up? Philippians 3, 13 to 14. But this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Philippians 1, I'm convinced that God who began a good work in me will carry it to completion in Christ Jesus. What if I feel like giving up? Man, I'm convinced that he who began a good work in me will carry it to completion. Amen? So good. What if I believe... I'm tempted to believe that I am a stupid idiot. Amen? We've all been there. Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Man, don't you dare call yourself a stupid idiot when you were created by God and his works are wonderful. Amen? Amen? Yeah, that's good stuff. What if I believe my life is pointless? Well, I'm going to turn to Ephesians 2.8 and say it's by grace I've been saved. This isn't of myself. It's a gift of God, not by work. So I'm not going to boast, but I am God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for me to do. So my life is not pointless. There are great things in store for me because God has prepared those in advance for me to do. If I think nobody loves me, I'm going to turn to Romans 8. The one who loves us gives us an overwhelming victory in all our difficulties for I'm convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can't be separated by life or death, angel or rulers, anything in the present or future. No powers in the world above or the world below by anything in all creation. I am loved by God. What if I've asked for forgiveness too many times, I believe. God just won't give me forgiveness again. I'm going to turn to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Romans 8, 1. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. What if I believe in moments of despair that there is no heaven 
And this is all there is. I'm going to turn to John 14, 1 and 4. I'm going to listen to Jesus' words say, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you there to be with me. And you know, you know the way to the place I'm going. Guys, how do you resist temptation? It's no secret. It's what Jesus did. Satan brought something, Jesus brought the word. Satan brought something, Jesus brought the word. <laughs> it, is, it is not by you going, man, I need to think some smart thing. Smart. It's good. I mean, you're smart people. Um, but it is holding to the promises. Because there are times the smartest people, I mean, sometimes it's, you know, like, there are so many brilliant people, like, geniuses, and they are oftentimes haunted because they rely on the extent of their own wisdom, right? right? And there's something only God can give, the promises only he can follow through on. When we're in our darkness and he shines the light of his word, receive that. That is how you resist the devil, and that is how he flees from you. Now, the end of these verses is beautiful, and it's the last thing I want you to see, which is the power that can follow triumphing over temptation. And we see it. I mean, we see right here, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. This is incredible. Uh, He comes back from this time of weakness and vulnerability, and he just comes with power. It made me think of James 1 where it says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials because after the testing of your, pra- your faith it produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And that is impressive. It's impressive to come through a trial, to come through temptation. And, and Jesus is impressive in this way. Right? He, he comes through. He's coming come through with power, walking with the power of the Spirit. And people are praising him for it. There's beauty in the person that has overcome temptation. We see this in the ministry of Jesus. You know, I've always been impressed by the simple finish here in James 1, where it says, let perseverance finish its work that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Mature and complete. How many of us can be described by those two words? Mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Now, there's this whole movement now um, of uh, silly sayings on T-shirts, right? And and you see the word adulting a lot, and uh, uh, and it's like, well, you should be at this point an adult, uh, you know. Uh, so, <laughs> but oftentimes, what what that's <laughs> that hits you close to home. Um, <laughs> You know, what it's saying is I just kind of want to, <laughs> I just want to give up. Well, now I want to I talk through this because I get to lead people. I get to lead the church. I get to lead the Coffee Waste. It's Coffee Waste. I have about 75 staff that work for me. And so I get to uh, be a part of people's formation and see those who succeed and those who don't succeed. So the secret, if you guys want to know the secret of how you can tell if someone succeeds or not, and I kid you not, is are they willing to take responsibility or not? A leader is someone who takes responsibility, is someone who, who is potential for leadership, is someone who is taking on 
responsibility. I've seen people with amazing talent never learn to take responsibility. They always wanted someone else to do it for them. They were afraid of failing, afraid of hard, afraid of testing, afraid of temptation, and they never stepped up. And because they were unwilling to take responsibility and all that came with that, they never grew to a place of maturity and completeness. I've seen people come and man, they, they, people even listen to them, but they just never got to the place where they could really confidently lead others toward Jesus. They couldn't be mature and complete and all that because they just never took responsibility. We even wanted to give it to them, but they just didn't want to take responsibility. This is, this is terrible, right? And, and it's sad because what is beautiful is when somebody takes that and it just gives safety to those around them or those following them or those that, like, man, there, nothing will provide more joy and safety for the relationships you have, be that friends, spouses, parents, kids, than being someone who takes responsibility for your actions and helps lighten the loads of other people by, by taking that responsibility. When you see someone step up, it is amazing, but 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, reminds us often of what the reality looks like now, which is this. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are worldly, mere infants. I give you milk, not solid food, for you're not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready, you are still worldly. You're like, Paul, pull some punches, please. Like, that's hard. He's going, man, I, I want to like... I just want to talk to you all about Jesus because, but we, we keep having to go back to the beginning. We keep having to talk about this stuff over and over again. We can't move forward because we're not stepping up. And what you see here in Jesus is he stands toe-to-toe with the devil, right? Delivers the word, steps up, moves forward with power, and people are, are so impressed by it, right? All he's done is be like, shut up, devil, shut up, devil, shut up, you know, like, he, he, other than just withstanding temptation, he hasn't done anything super impressive. He's just delivered the word, but people seeing Jesus merely live by the word, obey the word, is impressive. And let me tell you what's impressive in your life is if you know the word, you obey the word, you live the word, right? Like, wow, that's a cool life. It won't take long until people look at you and they're like, man, I see what's coming out of you. That's amazing. But many of us, we wonder, man, why, why, why don't people listen? Like, why, why do you not, I not have a position where people like honor that more? I think sometimes that's because we aren't like stepping up, taking responsibility and delivering the word. And that's something all of us can do. Jesus faces down the devil. He overcomes and it is powerful. If we are ever powerful people, it's because we have faced temptation and not because we have avoided it. We've faced it, we haven't avoided what's hard. We've faced it, and the truth has come out of us. That is a beautiful thing. Amen? Yeah. Are you convicted? Amen. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I know. Okay. We're in this together, guys. So, will my temptation ever end? Temptation is not the full story. You might find yourself in the middle of that story. God's glorious story is the whole. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do this week um, is to take time 
And I want this to be as objective as it possibly can be. I want you to ask yourself, from spiritual infant to spiritual mature, just grade yourself one to five. You don't have to tell me about it. Maybe confess to your spouse or your best friend. <laughs> but man, where, where are you? Are you, when you're tempted, does truth come out of you, right? Are you, are you constantly going back to the milk and, and God just is wanting to bring you further so you're taking more and more responsibility? You're able to deliver the truth to other people the way they're hearing and they're responding, right? You're bringing life to your relationships, Man, because I'm like, truth's coming out of me that I see my spouse, my friends, my kids, like, man, they're responding. Like, and maybe they don't even love Jesus, but they love the Jesus they see in me because like, I'm, just, I'm just living that way. Like, what does that look like in our lives? And none of that, will it be easy? But the perseverance through that, through that, from the middle to the end, right? will produce in you maturity and completeness. And that is something to look forward to. Let me pray for us and then I'll introduce communion. God, I pray that God, we will be a courageous, confident people. Uh, I mean, I just wanted to pray right now for the Ukrainian people who are, have shown such heart. May we, as they, in, in the physical sphere of war and the arena of war, God, may we see what it could look like to be people of heart in the spiritual arena. That people see our circumstances and they're like, man, I see what you're going through, but wow, what beauty comes out of you because you're just, you're full of him, full of Jesus, full of truth of the words, what comes out of you. God, I, I pray that we will be those people mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Praise in Jesus' name, amen. 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 We're gonna take communion together. And while we do that, Ibrahim uh, is right there in the middle. He'd be happy to pray for anybody who needs it. In communion, we remember the night Jesus was betrayed, the night of great temptation. Uh, knowing that, he had a meal with his disciples and he broke the bread of the meal and he said, this is my body, it will be broken for you. The same way he took the cup and he shared it with them and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so we invite you, if you love Jesus, if you believe in him, to come up and, and uh, take that together.